0: This is probably going to be the last time I speak to you guys for this year like this. Um, if we reflect back on this year, you know, coming to the end of November, already nearly December, which is just bonkers. Um, Mm. what do you guys make of it? If you really took a zoom out and tried to objectively analyze yourself, how you showed up this year, who you were, your business, your profession as a coach and even things that other people you observed in your environment. What do you guys think and reflect upon it that you can take for forthcoming years?
1: You go first. to me. you go for it, brother. All right. Honestly, all in all, it actually wasn't that bad a year. You know, obviously aside from from a pandemic, but in terms of, uh, for me personally and, and for the gyms and uh, for growth, personal growth and stuff like that, it was actually a year that, you know, you'd look back on and, and uh, you lived through it. Probably nobody else in our lifetime, like it won't happen again, probably, hopefully. And, uh, you know, off the back of it, we, all the gyms survived, all the branches uh, so that, that was something that really positive came out of it. We launched an equipment manufacturing uh, business off the back of it, which is still going and is, is still expanding. Um, I chose to uh, explore a different sport, get get back to combat sports, which is something I used to do when I was when I was younger before Adonis, and uh, you know that reignited a lot for me, a lot of like. Passion that I had for that, uh, because obviously, powerlifting competitions were cancelled for quite some time. Uh, You know, also, you know, and I think this this is for all of us. I think we learned that we are all much more resilient than we thought we are, and and also we learned all of us that there's probably some things that sets us apart uh, compared to um, a lot of the other, you know, general public. Um, because at the end of the day during times like this you start to realize what people are really made of um, mentally especially because you got people that panic and uh, they just can't keep it cool they can't keep it together and you got some people who don't panic they they use it they use it to figure some other things out they get creative and uh, some good things come out of the back of it you know Uh, definitely Learn who um, who I can rely on, you know, amongst amongst the uh, uh, the people I work with. Grateful to all the members that stopped by us, you know. Uh, it was great. It was great. I would say it was great. I wouldn't want it to happen again, but a lot of good things came out of it.
2: Very yeah, good. look, I I think I can back up a few of those things for sure in regards to. It's given me some some real confidence in how durable and versatile we can be. I know, obviously, probably the first time that happened to all of us all together um, as a facility, we were shut for sort of maybe 11 or 12 weeks. Uh, that was certainly a learning curve, and I'm sure, like everybody, we had those instances where I will just think, what What are we doing? Like, what Why what, what are we? Like, what, what, this is this is really really tough. Uh, and then other, I guess. More days where you, you think to yourself, you know what? I, I love the fact that we're able to um, manipulate what we've been doing or pivot for a little while. Uh, I love the community engagement. We've been able to uh, probably increase during this time. Uh, we Thanks to people like you guys who have given us opportunities to have platforms on social media and to, to create more content and to uh, network with other people. I think that we've only solidified uh, our spotters Hopefully, one of sort of SA's premier facilities and and continue to, to uh, build more of a personal touch to, to those members as opposed to maybe some of those bigger franchises that just don't have the ability or or, or just didn't do that at all. I know there's a lot of uh, members that we now have on board that said that they were previously with a bigger chain. Essentially, during our first lockdown, it was a matter of your payments got turned off in week one and then three months later they got turned back on again and there was no communication between mm. there was no real sort of um, yeah, care or support or love so um, I've cer- I have cert—I certainly think that overall it's been a, a positive but as I said there's always been those times where you, you, you do doubt what, what you're doing uh, but I think if you look at the overall trajectory of the, the business and can't remember if it was maybe Athletes Authority or Orphic there was, there was somebody who, who posted up a a graph a little while ago and you look at the trajectory of your business and from week to week there's always ups and downs it's almost like you look at like the the stock market you know what I mean there's always ups and downs but when you compare week one of 2020 to where we are now we're in a much much stronger position and there's been weeks where there's been downs or there's say for example I'll be completely honest we um, for those that don't know that outside of Adelaide we had a bit of a funny situation. You've probably seen it plastered all over the news, but we did plunge back into lockdown essentially seven days ago. Um, fortunately enough for us, that was based on some misinformation. So three, day, three days later, the government pulled us out of lockdown, but we'd sort of gone back into to full-blown lockdown mode in regards to we'd cleared out our facility and, and leased out all of our equipment to our members. We'd got transitioned everything online. I think now, uh, the second time around, we were a lot quicker to action it because we had systems and processes in place. And we'd had an opportunity to to probably reevaluate those prior to this lockdown, as opposed to, to be honest with you, making shit up on the spot last lockdown, thinking, what the hell are we doing? So uh, we, were, we were in a much better position. Uh, and then obviously we just had to quickly sort of revert back. As soon as we got the, the word that we were coming back to, to business on Sunday, we were just calling all those people and saying, get my stuff back to the facility as quick as you can. Hurry up, we're back, we're back. But, uh, but yeah, if you're looking, um, like I said, week one of 2020 uh, compared to right now, we are in a much stronger position. We've got more members and athletes than we've ever had. Uh, more traffic coming through the doors, more equipment, more revenue. Uh, but to get to that point, there's certainly had some ups and downs. Like you said, Amir, I, in, the, in the long run, I'm happy that it's happened. Um, would prefer if it didn't happen again. If we just continue this trajectory without going through that, but it's given us confidence that you know what we we can almost survive anything because uh, unless all well, the internet blows up and, and we can't we can't use online resources. It's just a matter of time. <laughs> I think we're pretty pretty adaptable now, which has been great.
0: I like that. Thank you guys for sharing that. I, I wanted to actually touch on a couple of things that you both have said from this. One, I'll go to you, Amir uh what are the systems and processes because you said that sean what are the systems and processes that you've created this year i mean this is for both of you but starting with amir that have been the most important something that damn i'm glad this happened because i could create this system and process that's going to help me dramatically in the future as a business owner and health professional Uh,
1: we uh, so during the during the period where everything was was locked down obviously a lot more uh, time to be able to sit in the office and, and do work rather than be on the gym floor um i wanted to put everything that uh, myself and all of our coaches had learned over the over the years of doing what we do basically into video format so it's like a library we can all refer back to at any time uh if one of us is absent and we need to go through, for example, how to do proper powerlifting programming. Uh, what's, how do we start with a template and then uh, how you take somebody through a strength block and then peak them for competition and so on. And how to write a, a weight loss diet, or a weight gain diet, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then that's that started and then uh, I thought, well, hang on, let's just, let's just put this onto an uh, online educational platform and make it freely available to all of our members, um, so that they can refer back to it, literally as if they were going to ask the coaches. So the coaches are always available there. So we did that, and and now it's it's live. Um, it's it's open to the world. Anybody can can sign on, and we've been getting uh, subscriptions. Uh, so we're just going to continue to add to that. So we essentially systemized that sort of that part of things where the coach doesn't have to be there all the time uh, for people to ask, uh, how do I do a, do a sumo deadlift properly, how do I set up for it? There's a 45-minute video off-top, of 45, 50 minutes with complete like uh, voiceover, uh, drawings on the screen, freezing frame, slowing it down, different angles, stuff like that, where it will explain that to them. So no matter where they are, uh, at whatever time they are doing their deadlift, it might be late at night, it might be early morning and the coaches are not there, they can pull that video up and, and uh, be guided through that movement or that concept exactly as if the coaches were there doing it. And so that allowed us to actually reduce um, uh, uh, two days, two entire days of uh, coaching on the gym floor. Uh, and now we're dedicating those two days to actually booking in um, more of our uh, members and and our clients, and actually have uh, preferably a sit down face to face to go through their weekly like their week that was, and and, uh, and plan the next week, and uh, or have a conversation like via f- phone or FaceTime or something like that uh, to make sure that they are on the right track. They can ask us any questions and things are going well. And since doing that. Engagement has been uh, through the roof, uh, productivity on everybody's part, like the, the staff as well as the, the uh, clients has been through the roof. Um, everything's been better. Retention has been better, um, results have been better. Uh, so that is uh, one one huge thing that, that came out of that, um, that forced us to systemize that, allowed us, gave us time to systemize that, and uh, we're just gonna keep, keep moving forward with it.
0: That is great. That's such a valuable system that I think is applicable to any coach <laughs> or business, especially with staff, because you don't have to constantly repeat the same kind of
2: process, standard operating mm-hmm. procedure.
0: Yeah. Sean, what is your version of that?
2: Yeah, look, I, I think similar to Gus, uh, pretty much online has been, Uh, where the majority of of our industry is pushed towards. I think maybe for myself personally, streamlining to utilize one system. So I know prior to to a lot of this stuff happening, I was probably a little bit spread in regards to um, the majority of our members would be using an online platform for programming that we built from scratch many years ago with a a web designer. Um, There's a few others depending on which program from our from an elite or semi-elite setting that was programming, got sort of streamlined everybody into Team Builder. So we we sort of um, uh, took that extra expense, uh, and now have transitioned everybody onto one system, which makes it uh, much easier from our point of view, from a programming sense. And uh, from my experience, is one of the, the cleanest systems. This isn't a, like a, an advert or anything. Like that. I've got nothing to do with it personally, but have just streamlined from that point of view. Uh, and then having those uh, pre-established Like Facebook groups and things like that in place now, so that, say for example, last week, those people that transitioned over on their memberships to continue to continue work online, were either using the Team Builder programming or we're doing the the live Facebook uh, sessions. The reason why I decided to do the 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 live Facebook sessions was because sort of I found it a bit of a quicker and easier process for saving in the video for them to, to come back and revisit, as obviously, say for example at the moment you're recording uh, Zoom, but I assume that you probably have to save and then upload that to Facebook as well afterwards, or does that, does that save itself? Or, or from a private group setting, um, we just decided to, to go straight to Facebook, straight to the social media. We have a private group of our members in it and go from there. So essentially you're sort of bouncing back and forth between uh, an online platform where you're writing programs or the online platform when you're face-to-face with the clients um,
0: and made it sort of as easy as that. love it. I, th- I hope people can pay attention and take something from either one of those systems and apply it. That's why I ask because I'm thinking, well, you got to take something from this year. You got to take something from these systems you guys have created. Uh, Sean, you brought up doubt earlier in the conversation. Mm-hmm. and. I know this is something everybody recognizes and has felt probably at some time this year. Amir and Sean both, but especially because you brought it up, Sean. People look at you guys, successful business owners, successful coaches, six-figure-plus businesses, who knows, probably maybe seven figures, and they see like a superficial success. And they probably don't see as much as what goes on in here between your two ears. What do you do when doubt creeps in? What were you actually alluding to, Sean? Like, what is your self talk when that doubt comes in, and how do you pull yourself out?
2: Absolutely. So, I guess, especially having a, a young family, you're in those situations when your business has been locked down again. I know even prior to lockdown, gyms were the first thing to close. And I know that Fitness Australia sort of went to, to bat for us. Not that I have anything to do with them at all, but I saw a lot of their social media activity. And you start to think, well, what am, I putting, what am I busting my guts for? Like, why am I putting in all this effort? Um, and I don't wanna to get too political, but you sort of, you look at all the evidence that's been provided around, uh, in Australia in, in particular, if we're talking about in this particular instance, there's been no cases of transmissions in probably 3 million plus visits from a, from a perspective of, uh, like a, from people going to the gym in Australia, um, and you're sort of just wondering, why is this war on our industry? And no matter how good our processes are, no matter how con- good our contact tracing is, no matter how safe we're keeping our community, no matter how much we're sort of abiding by the letter of the law, we're the first thing to get locked down again. And then you start to think to yourself, well, look, oh, we've got a young family. Um, what happens if our landlord isn't leaning, as lenient with us this time as they were last time? You think about all the insurance expenses that we've got, the the, the staff that you obviously have to... I guess, ensure that they're, that they're getting looked after as well because they're the people that inevitably are gonna look after us when we do get back to business and things like that as well. And you start to think, why did not just become like a police officer? They never, like, you know what, it's 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 solid, it's uh, it's predictable, you know what, you got your set wage you stick to and so on and so forth, you work shit hours, you deal with the shittest 10% of people every single day, but you know what, your security for your family. So those sorts of things, every now and again with we'll creep into your head when things like that happen. It's a, it's a short term thing, but then they I'm pretty big on, on mindset. And it's usually just sort of like a, I like to think of it like a little passing cloud in, in the weather, like the mm-hmm. cloud goes, goes, goes by pretty quickly. And, um, you just reset, you, you try to start the day with something positive or, or something constructive or something that's going to have a benefit for, uh, your community and, and, uh, and, taking another step forward for your business and, and you're usually back to normal pretty quickly. But certainly I'm sure you guys can attest to there's probably lots of business owners out there that will have times where you're thinking, like, what am I doing? Why didn't Why didn't I just become a Sparky, you know what I mean? Like, go work for somebody, get, <laughs> get a get a, a set wage here every now and again. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's the doubt that comes through. But as you said, it's just a passing cloud in the sky. Um, and I I'll, I'll find resetting, maybe do it a quick little, a bit of meditation or mindfulness or think about five things that you're grateful for. I know it all sounds pretty sort of stock standard, but I find it helps me to reset, get my eyes back on the prize again, and, and then go from there. And then the second that we reopen and uh, you know, the people come flying back through the doors, you forget about all those things that you start to doubt yourself on during, during those times where you are shut down. I
0: appreciate your candor and honesty because um, I don't think a lot of people realize that you maybe had those thoughts.
2: <laughs> well, look, I think everybody's human, and and yes. like be open and honest as well. And you certainly uh, you do just provide that energy to the community, and you do have a bit of sort of like your your coaching bravado and things like that. And you always want to be promoting a a really positive image to the community. But uh, but I think I think you wouldn't be human if you didn't have those doubts or have you know everybody has those days where you think, shit, what am I doing? Well, you know what, I just want to. Uh, Have five minutes of quiet time here and um, just reset myself and and, and then we'll go again.
1: Uh, I'll go. Uh, I'll give you what what goes through my mind. Okay. And please understand, I I don't, if anything I say, like, I don't, I don't mean any disrespect to anybody uh, when I say it's just purely and simply literally my thoughts. Okay. Um, yeah, like thoughts like that from time to time when things get really bad uh, do pass through anybody's mind. Um, for me personally, I, it, it quickly gets extinguished because I cannot and I will not, I refuse to go back to ever a nine to five. I cannot work for somebody else. I cannot answer to anybody else. And uh, I don't know if this makes sense to uh, anybody listening, but I actually like the carnage um, that situations like this bring. I I'm happy. I'm quite comfortable with um, with the madness of it all. Um, I I don't know if that makes any sense. I don't know if anybody can relate, but uh, I would much prefer doing this. Uh, knowing that I'm in the driver's seat rather than um, uh, going somewhere where there is um, supposed security. Because I'll tell you something, there isn't any security anywhere, right? There's just an illusion of security when you're working for somebody else, for another company, whether it's government or not. Yes, there's more security with government, stuff like that. But I refuse to, to let somebody over there tell me, You've got fifty-two weeks in a year. Look, you can have two to four of those weeks off if you want to go on a holiday. The rest of the rest of that time will tell you what to do. Um, that's just my mindset. I I would much rather live in this hell than in that heaven. Um, so that's that's just my mindset. I'm, I'm I'm quite comfortable where I am.
0: I love that. Um, I resonate deeply with that, and I won't make this about myself. I try my best to, um, but uh... I, I think you would be surprised, Amir, at, ham, at a small minority of people who actually love the chaos like yourself and find themselves maybe thinking, not is there something wrong with me, but I wonder why I like the chaos and carnage of it all so much. It's an interesting thing. Have you ever dug into that to, to why some people you think thrive under those scenarios?
1: uh i have but I, I don't have the answer i don't know what it is uh i don't know why uh, i'm like because i don't think i was like this all the time uh, maybe i was i don't know but uh i, I think it's just because um of uh, weighing up the options you know for me for me personally i just it's just a no it's just a no-go like uh, doing a nine to five it just i just won't do it Cause I, I did it obviously, you know, when I was, when I was younger in high school, uh, uni to, to, uh, get through as a student and stuff like that. And it just sucked just huge balls and I just can't do it.
0: <laughs> a lot of shit sandwiches.
1: It's not me, you know, I just can't do it. I can't, I like to come and go as I please. I like to do this. Thing. I like to be in control of, of what's going on. And, uh, I won't do it. I'd rather, because I know at the end of the day, I'm not going to starve. I'm going to figure out a way yes. if this doesn't work to make something else work. I just know that's going to happen. Right? So I'm like, yeah, whatever. You, if, if all the gyms are going to get taken off me, let's just say absolute worst case scenario, I'll figure something else out. That's fine.
0: Yeah, hey, you sound like, and I imagine you both, you have a trust in yourself. You have a belief in yourself and your skill set to be ultimately adaptable and innovative when you need to be.
1: Uh, yeah i think I think that's it yeah
0: okay so where i next want to take the conversation is with again something you said earlier amir you are training more combat sport athletes now and i took a little note here because i'm like i want to dig into that a little bit um what do you think the most common mistakes and sean i'd love to hear your thoughts too but uh, specifically maybe about field-based athletes, for example, unless you have some thoughts on combat. Combat sport athletes, most common mistakes the combat sport athlete makes on training themselves and governing their own health, and then the mistakes the coaches make.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, so I'll start with the athletes. Uh, there's actually probably two that are very common that stick out all the time. One is ignoring strength training. Um uh, thinking that they don't need it. All they need to do is just train, you know, whatever they're doing, jujitsu or boxing or wrestling or whatever it is, is—that that's enough. That's going to suffice. Um, and then and then getting absolutely clobbered by somebody who's a little bit less technical, but much stronger, <clears throat> getting dominated. And uh, the other is doing um, too much, uh, super high-intensity conditioning work too often. And just absolutely burning out, and and they may not even feel like they're burnt out. They, uh, it's just such a normal um, day-to-day mode for them now that they feel normal. That that's then that's they feel fine. They think they feel fine, but they're they're actually uh, severely in, in a deficit. Um, those are the those are the two main ones as far as athletes are concerned, uh, and probably like as a an honourable mention would be uh, stupid exercises like. Um, quote unquote functional shit that's still going on. Um, the problem with it is, is that aside from anything else, it's you actually can't uh, progress on it. You can't progressively overload on on a lot of those exercises, pretty much all of those exercises that, that they pick. If they just spent the same amount of energy on just squat bench, deadlift, you know, overhead pressing, rowing, and, and just got stronger, those would be those, those killers. Um, so that's that's in terms of uh, athletes. In terms of coaches, um, especially old school coaches, sort of the same thing, but on the other side, they, they either think still to this day uh, that weights uh, make you slow or are not really useful and that they should just drill and drill and drill. And the other is uh, training high intensity. So like high intensity rolling or wrestling or, or sparring too often, way too often. And uh, that can that can leave uh, the athletes in the ground as well. And uh, the, yeah, those are probably the, the most common things that are still in existence that I still see uh, around. Admittedly, uh, some athletes are waking up to it and, and so are some coaches.
0: Well, how do you communicate to the athlete in that sense um, to get them on the same page? Because a lot of them are very stuck in their traditional ways. How do you communicate with them to see the benefit of the other side?
1: Well uh, a couple of ways. One is when you actually so you know I, I wrestle so when you actually wrestle with with them and they've been doing it for much much longer than you but you're giving them problems, uh, that in of itself starts to get a, a few cogs ticking in their in their brain to think about uh, restructuring their, their thoughts maybe. Um seeing that you are somebody of you know somewhat of an authority, somewhat of an you know educational background in terms of that kind of a topic uh, preferably if you have trained others to to also the quote unquote promised land and they can see that, that you know uh, what you're doing, then perhaps they'll, they'll at least give it a go. Um, coaches are very hard to to change because especially the old school ones, they're, they're very much stuck in their ways. Um, but it's just a, it's just an educational process, whether it's through social media, whether it's through conversations that you have one on one, or whether it's through proving it to them uh, when you actually uh, like if you do actually uh, compete or or participate in in the set sports, you know, whether it's BJJ or boxing or what have you, uh, they can feel um, the, the the difference physically, you know, and they, they thought they would give you a little bit more of a problem or you'd be a little bit less of a problem than you actually were. And they start to think, you know, and, and eventually they come around.
0: So showing them with actions rather than words. Correct. Got it. Sean?
2: From my experience, um, I think probably if we're talking from an athlete's point of view and where they get their training wrong, um, there is there is some uh, transfer from what Amir was talking to, uh, talking about sorry, in regards to your field and court sport athletes, I think uh, it's our job to to try to educate. But things I would see is, for example, probably a lack of understanding in regards to truly what a what the physiological components of fitness are. So, say for example, somebody saying, you know what, uh, I want to get stronger, so they, they'll head into the the weights room and they'll be doing sort of they might have a moderate weight on the bar and do three sets of twelve and Uh, probably sort of have a bit of a mismatch in regards to what their true goal is uh, and the way that they're training in in regards to, say, for example, the true measure of maximal strength is being able to produce force for one or two maximal, uh, uh, I guess, uh, efforts. So, uh, and and then being scared of, say, for example, or just unsure of how to to load themselves properly from that point of view or saying they want to go get faster so they'll go do... uh, three 1K time trials and things like that as well, whereas as opposed to making themselves faster, they are certainly increasing their, their, their endurance base, but not necessarily hitting the physical component of fitness that they are aiming to hit. So just a bit of a mismatch in probably their knowledge and what they're implementing. Uh, that would be number one. Number two, if you're talking probably, or it's probably out on the track or within the weights room, I think rest times are done really, really poorly. Um, you have some guys that come through here and now they might have eight exercises in their program. Let's say, for example, they've got sort of four lots of supersets, which is a pretty sort of normal program that we might uh, roll somebody through. Uh, and I might not be out on the floor, I might be sort of at the desk or something along those lines. And they head out into the gym floor and they come back 25 minutes later and i will say, done already and they've just whipped through with no rest time they've done squats to box jump squats to box jump squat to box jump straight to rdl to nordics rdl to nordics they've just had no rest in between um so they're not sort of maximizing what they're going to get out of that program as well so education from that point of view and probably conversely on the same end of the scale they'll do there are others that'll do a set of squats and a set of box jumps and then they'll shoot hoops for 25 minutes after that, you know what I mean? And then, then they'll get on to the next set. So you probably see both ends of the scales there. And probably number three that I see from an athlete's point of view is just the influence of social media. Let's say, I saw LeBron doing this. So like, I must, I must do this. And uh, if you've seen LeBron's socials, he does some pretty out there shit. Um, but yeah, so those are probably the, the main three from an athlete's point of view is just understanding what you want to get out of the training and the implementation of, whether that is time frames or or sets and rep ranges, the rest times and also the exercise selection. From a coaching point of view, uh, probably something that, that Lockie's touched on previously is uh, I think over individualization and changing exercises for the sake of changing exercises. Um, I've certainly probably got a... I've talked about before, maybe a big nine. I reckon there's a big 10 movement patterns that we can go through afterwards that I think that are vital in most... most court uh, and field sports. Uh, I think maybe if you're looking at track and field, that's where it, it gets a bit different and, and combat sports as well. Uh, but certainly when I'm training rugby players, and footballers, basketballers, there are sort of a set 10 that build the foundation probably 80% of my program. And then there's a little bit of individualization in that last 20%. Um, and then I reckon just uh, communication. Is probably the, the other one, or or ability to, to to create buy-in from the athletes. I reckon there's a lot of very very smart coaches out there that just don't have the personality to be able to get their athlete on board. Uh, and although what on paper is a fantastic program, it's, it's it's having no impact because it's not being done properly or at all by the athlete they're trying to program for. Whether that be a lack of personality or charisma or um, personal skills. So that's probably, th- there's three major issues I see on the athlete's end and probably two from a coaching point of view. Okay.
0: Unless to me, you have any thoughts? I have a couple of follow-ups. Hit me. Um, how do you guys establish buying and trust with your clients and athletes?
1: Um, I think it's multi, multifaceted. Uh, one is, uh, um, and it's one of the low-hanging fruits, is uh, a, a proven track record, right? Because, I mean, nowadays, especially with social media and stuff like that, anybody who's coming on board um, to, to join a gym or get a coach, is doing their research they're looking around they're looking at your profile looking at another person's profile asking around and so on and so forth so uh, if you've taken the time to build that profile and, and show uh what you've been doing and, and the results you've been getting surely they can see that and uh, and they that will you know uh, influence them to listen to what you have to say um the other one is um and this is a big one um, but, but it's, it's, it's kind of easy, but it's kind of hard to develop. Uh, it needs a bit of experience. It's, it's just, uh, being able to relate to people, being able to be a coach, um, because people have different personality types and some sometimes are very rigid and they're kind of like, this is, this is who I am. This is how I do it, whether you like it or not. And so, and that's fine because maybe they're totally fine with turning some people away or some people being turned off by that and, uh, not coming on board. Um, but some coaches are a little bit more um, uh, tuned in, socially speaking. And so they know that, for example, somebody's personality type is uh, uh, is the type that likes to be a little bit more aggressive with training. Somebody else maybe is a little bit more uh, cautious and nervous and, and neurotic. So Um, For example, uh, putting in heavy, heavy top sets, heavy loads in all the time actually makes them stressed out. It affects their sleep. It affects their performance in the gym. It affects a lot of things. So uh, being smart enough to not need to verbalize any of that stuff, but actually change the program to suit that personality type, right? So what happens is this bond gets created uh, with, with the client and they... Trust that you understand them. You feel their their pain. You feel, um, without needing to discuss things or verbalize things, what they're good at, what they're bad at, what needs to go, how fast they need to go, how slow they need to go. Uh, and, and so they're like, this guy understands me. This, this guy gets me. Uh, and so, you know, there's that, there's that uh, connection and that trust. Another one that's a really easy one that... Um, not enough people do is is just encouragement you know building confidence um it is so so important as a coach to build confidence in an athlete uh and uh, and that is on all fronts in the sense of the program that you give them making sure that in the earlier days of the of the cycle that you are um giving them it's weights that is there are weights that they can definitely for example get they can successfully complete those sessions feel good about it not not piece easy but but uh, certainly something that if they if they applied themselves enough they could do there's no problem there's no danger of failing and, and doing bad and having bad sessions and injuries and things like that and then uh, backing that up with the the language that you use when you communicate with them you know telling them that, that was excellent a really good technique you know this part was good do this and it'll be a little bit better if you can if you can try and do this instead it will be much better it'll be perfect and you know your, your lifts are looking so good compared to like four weeks ago six weeks ago you're doing great you know things like that it it's free man like it doesn't cost anything for you to do that for you to say that you know like uh, it goes a long way a huge way confidence in a in a client athlete lifter whatever it is whoever you're working with if you are inspiring confidence in them, uh, uh, that gets them to trust you. you they, they're associating those feelings with you, you know? And yeah. I'm not saying to be fake, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying point out whatever the good that they are doing. Some coaches don't even do that, you know? They just point out the negative. That's yes. not good, don't do this, you know? What are you, what are you doing? Why are you even bothering with that? You know, Some people talk like that to, to their clients, and I don't get it. Like, And then they wonder why they can't get any clients.
0: I think that's so important what you just said. It's something I've really tried to focus and hone in on in the last probably two years is we don't give a lot of positive reinforcement as a collective coaching culture. We always like improvement, improvement, excellence, excellence, technique, refinement, this, that, the other. And then we forget that our role is also boosting and facilitating the self-efficacy and self-esteem of our client through authentic, positive reinforcement like you were saying so i think that's such a beautiful point that more young and just general coaches need to hear so thank you
2: mm. i think um i think first impressions are really important and generally from our from a professional setting the first thing a try to do is sit down one-on-one with each of the athletes that you are going to be programming for over the next six to 12 months for example and uh especially in that first session there's a there's a bit of and their first cycle of the program, a bit of give and take. In most cases, I will say in the vast majority of cases, what um, is needed for the athlete and what the athlete wants is generally on the same pathway. Generally, they'll have trust and they'll, uh, they'll be willing to sort of um, implement anything that you are ready to, to program for them. In some cases, you do come across some stronger-minded individuals, especially the further you go up the ranks who may have had uh, a coach they previously really resonated with or may have done a training program that they got a lot out of and now sort of insisted that's the only type of training they ever wanted to be. So I would say in that first sort of initial catch-up that we have, I'll get to know know them a little bit more, but asking questions like, what's your favourite exercise? Uh, What's your favourite type of training? Um, What's your least favourite type of training? Are there any exercises that you hate completing? So, for example, when I first got the role with the Crows AFLW girls, um, I know there's certainly in one of the earlier phases of my program, trap bar deadlifts was one of the foundations just to sort of begin with, and almost every girl, I'd say, let's say 70-75% of the girls, in some sense, said that they disliked completing trap bar deadlifts or had had a bad experience where they been trying to complain by themselves in the off-season and injured their backs. Um, if I hadn't had asked those questions and programmed those in, I'm, my guess is that I would have got, on, uh, got off on the wrong foot and maybe would have struggled to have the same buy-in uh, as opposed to, you know what, let's think of a, an alternative for that now. So we're fortunate enough in the club to have belt squats or some girls did leg press instead or some girls just did a, a barbell box squat as opposed to um, so, they're still getting some. Uh, I guess we were using it as a knee flexion extension exercise as, as opposed to a hip hinge. Um, so, I think that first initial phase that you write for them is, is vital. Uh, and, you know, if they say bicep curls is my favorite exercise, find a way to sneak that into there somehow. Still, tick off all your, your big necessities, but you, wanna, you want them to realize that you are listening to what they're saying and that you genuinely care about their enjoyment of the program too, so that would be my biggest advice is have that initial meeting, um, have certainly in mind what you want to be implementing, but be willing to have a little compromise if you need to, in order to, to rope them in. And you know what, eventually, if, if say for example, where you want them to be and where they're at or where they, where they want to be is so far apart, come up with a plan of attack, each cycle is going to be a small little progression towards your point of view as opposed to theirs. You're still going to give them little doses and eventually you're going to build that that um, reputation with them or build that relationship with them that they'll be willing to give a little bit more each, each time. They might not even notice that. All of a sudden, somebody who said, you know what, I hate heavy lifting. I don't get anything out of heavy lifting. Uh, you've started them with four sets of 12 for every exercise in the first program. And then next program is... 12, 10, eights. And then the next program, they're just doing four sets of eight. And the next program, they're doing eight, six, five. You know what I mean? So, over the sort of the, the sequence of four programs, you've progressively increased their load, but they probably don't realize it as much as, you know what? First program, we're doing five by five girls, let's go. Mm. And I'm thinking, what the what, This guy's a prick. Like, mm. he doesn't listen to us at all. So, um, that would be my advice.
0: That's, that's the art of coaching. Like that's absolutely, absolutely. That's when you have to deviate from the perfect sets and reps and schemes and programs, and have to be willing to concede and humble yourself in the face of your authority for the greater good and the long term um, enjoyment as well. Because if if the person's not adherent, nothing gets nothing happens. There's no result.
2: Absolutely, of uh I think we've talked about it before, but a. Poor program done consistently yeah. is much better than a perfect program done inconsistently. Love it. Comes down that. that is, is that absolutely?
0: Matt has a question on uh the social media stuff, and actually it's something I wanted to ask as well. So, Sean, you brought about uh you know LeBron doing the, the type of out there exercises, and we see this all throughout sport. Is that more through the perspective of exercises being irrelevant that guy, that a guy like LeBron may be doing or stuff that people are seeing on social media mm-hmm. is that it is irrelevant um, and therefore a difference in coaching methodologies or more so just the exercise selection from beginner versus elite?
2: I think probably more leaning towards the second point there, beginner uh, when you're talking about sort of some people probably jumping a, a few steps ahead but also probably where I'm, where I'm talking about is bang for buck. Essentially, let's say for example, if you're talking about LeBron or an AFL player that you might see doing some sort of specy exercise. Essentially, at the end of the day, they are full-time athletes, and if there if there is any scope to be branching out into those really sort of extravagant balance banded bosu ball exercises, not that I sort of really essentially believe they they're ever needed, but let's just say, for example, there is some sort of need for that, they probably have the time for it. For somebody, in most cases, 99% of the population who are watching these videos and train three times a week, for example, and they have to go work a full-time job, um, I, I I just believe that there's so many more effective or more impactful exercises that you can be completing, making the most of your time. Go do a go do a hip thrust, for example, as opposed to doing a single leg kettlebell swing while being pushed over by three bands and pulling in different directions. You know, I think there's – I think it's just more bang for buck, people jumping ahead a few steps and forgetting that, you know what, these guys can add some more subtleties into their program simply because they've got the time for it. And you know what, they're going to spend the rest of the day recovering in their Normatec boots and then going for a swim in their pool and then maybe sitting in their sauna and getting a massage, whereas Johnny is going to be going to – lug around some timber and then go home and pick up his two-year-old daughter and then cook spaghetti for his family and get to bed at 11 p.m. at night and get up at three o'clock ready to go again the next morning. So, uh, bang for buck, um, ability to sort of add those subtleties in there probably isn't the same scope for 99% of the population. Um, and let's be honest, a lot, of, a lot of it is just bullshit anyway. But if, we, if we're putting that aside, those other points are very relevant. Context matters. Absolutely, absolutely. You just it, summarised it in two words. Ahmed,
0: <laughs> <is really> <laughs> do you have anything, any, any thoughts on that?
1: Or Yeah, I agree. It's exactly it. what he said. It's what you said the second time. So it's, it's. Um, they're noticing somebody like LeBron, or, or you know, in the case of lifters, for example, a famous powerlifter or something like that, and they're like, okay, he's doing those stuff. Someone be doing those stuff because. He's strong and he's doing those stuff or he's a good basketball player and he's doing those stuff. So that must be the stuff to do. The thing is, there's two, two sides there. One is that uh, the question you should really be asking is what was that person doing when they were at the same training agent experience yes. as you are now? thank you, yes. Uh, and then doing that thing uh, because you're looking essentially ahead in, in time when you're looking at them. You're looking right. at where you would be or you should be hopefully. 20 years from now, doing your sport, you know, consistently. Um, so you should be finding out what they were doing that when they were at the same training age as you are now and, and uh, doing that stuff. The other thing is, even if they were doing that thing, uh, however stupid it is, uh, for decades, the reason why they're LeBron is because they are one, one in a billion, one in eight billion, in fact. Um, and you are not you're not one in eight billion. sorry to say you don't have the same genetics you don't have the same capabilities you're just not that person so that person could have been um just sitting there like imagining shooting uh shooting a basketball three-pointers all day and they'll still probably be where they are now um maybe a couple of notches down but they'll still be playing in the nba you know it's because uh that's just how they're built and uh, and you're probably not built that way so um have a look at the majority don't have a look at that one guy outside of the bell curve and see that he's doing this kind of stuff what's everybody else doing what's the majority of people doing um then and and do do that stuff like there's um there's a there's a guy called um i forget his name um, but he's his um, business is called Functional Patterns. I don't know if you guys have, have heard of it yeah, or
0: not. N- Naudi. Um, Christian yeah. has uh, had some experiences with him yeah. going back. To his <laughs> yeah,
1: that. that's right. <laughs>
0: yeah. I remember that now. There you go. Um,
1: so, like, you know, there's, there's for example, a, a very, uh, like, a world, world-class uh, wrestler who, who trains with him, who, who does all that stuff. And so people will equate that. Go, well, look, this guy's doing his stuff, and he's, he's a world-class wrestler. The guy would have been a world-class wrestler. It doesn't matter what he would have done. He would have still been a world-class wrestler. So it's not because of this guy. It's not because of his like training methodology. And maybe these training methodologies work, although it's doubtful if they're the, if they're the most um, efficient way of doing things. But that's for another topic. Um, it's just that these people, you don't understand that you're looking at the best in the world. You're looking literally at one in, in eight billion, you know. And there's a reason why they're there. Um, and even if they're not one in a billion, if there's somebody you just aspire to be to, somebody who's just at your local um, BJJ club or whatever, don't look at what he's doing now and try to emulate that. Ask him what he was doing when he was at your experience level and do that.
0: Well said. I mean, those people are often successful not because of their specialized training, but in spite of it. So meaning they'll be successful regardless of the varied stimulus, this,
2: that, or the other. Mm -hmm. Have have you guys ever seen a breakdown? And this is outside of training, but probably along the same lines in regards to, from a technical point of view, and you're talking about that one in 8 billion, for example. Have you guys ever seen a breakdown um, of Usain Bolt's sort of first four steps when he broke the world record and actually how far out of perfect technique that is? Mm. Um, Like, it's actually quite a sort of ugly few first few steps and obviously... Uh, I guess, outside of that, he ended up breaking the world record. But it would be like, for example, now uh, everybody trying to learn that poor running gate mm. in order to emulate what Usain Bolt achieved that day. As you said, regardless if he's doing it perfectly or imperfectly, that's... he was going to break it that day anyway.
0: Well, that's a great example because if you didn't look at the micro, if you just looked at the Usain Bolt's sprint and you wanted to anal- you want to be Usain Bolt and you tried to analyze every uh thing that he did you would assumingly try to mimic his entire technique from start to finish but then you would miss out on the important context that he's actually one of the slowest starters and yeah. that he, what he's best at is from about the 40 50 60 plus meter mark where he just de the latest and reaches a higher top speed mm-hmm. so those are different things
2: absolutely absolutely
0: Boys, to finish off the conversation, I want to kind of paint this little metaphor. If you guys were to write a book, the book of Adonis, the book of Peak, okay, what would the main principles, values, and chapters be in that book? Say, for example, you knew you were going to die in a week, but you have to pass on your principles of Peak and Adonis. What are they? All
2: right. Well, I actually, in a sense, during that brief little lockdown we had, and I know it's been something we've been talking about for a little while now, in a very, very small sense, i put together a little presentation. I'm just going to put some audio over it and, and keep it on your inbox, Alex, because I'm going to be sending it through. I'd love, to, love you to review it, and I want, I want your honest opinion. I'll, be, I'll send it to uh, all the fit the crew as well. Thanks, I'd love some genuine feedback. I guess, number one, I think chapter one would be regardless of whether it's with coaching, whether it's with training, whether it's with eating, whether it's with your career, is I think consistency trumps everything. I know it's something we probably touched on briefly before, but I just see so many people that will go hell for leather at a diet. They'll go hell for leather at their training. They'll go hell for leather at a business venture for three to six months and then burn out and stop. And then 36 months later, they're on something new, or they're trying it again, and there's just sort of this undulation. There's no consistency. I think that doing something, um, just 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 rocking up consistently, or just eating consistently over a long period of time, or as we talked about before, completing just an average program consistently over time, I think is just so vital for success in any aspect of life. We could, we could literally talk about any aspect of life and consistency. Uh, if you are open at random hours with your business, uh, you're gonna create confusion with your customer base and then they're, they're gonna become unsure and, and go to somewhere else that they know is gonna be open, things like that as well. So consistency will be chapter one. If we're talking about a, a programming point of view, at the moment, what I would say is, is as we talked about before, get the foundations uh, correct and get bang for buck out of your training. Don't worry about doing all these little subtleties. Generally, if we're talking about uh, uh, my big 10 at the moment, uh, how we would work it from a peak perspective, and you'll see this in our PowerPoint, is that we have our initial consultation, probably primarily if we're talking about field and and court sport, sort of team sport athletes. From there, once we've done our assessment, I'll uh, assess what their... Um, Ability is to be able to squat properly, hinge properly, lunge properly. We say hip extension or thrust properly. Vertically push, horizontally push, vertically pull, horizontally pull, rotate and anti-rotate. They'll be the big 10 of any program, of any team or core sport athletes that come through here. Uh, There are probably 30 different variations of all 10 of those exercises selecting the appropriate variation is what where your instinct comes in as a coach and your ability to evaluate what their ability is upon assessment Um, and then you can put in all your little sort of subtleties around that to complement so say for example with your hip hinging movements you might select a knee dominant hamstring exercise to complement it nicely or with uh, your say for example with your hip extension or hip thrust exercises you might add an abduction exercise to complement that because they're the two primary movement patterns of the glutes. So I would say now the Big Ten. Um, so that would that would probably f- uh, form the the crux of the principles of of the peak book. I think is consistency, get bang for your buck, nail the Big Ten, and then add in accessories around that. That'll probably be the, the, the goal. I reckon.
0: Beautiful. Start to get start. Time to start writing, Sean.
2: <laughs> I think so.
0: Amir.
1: Uh, For me, it it comes around the intangibles, a lot of it, for me. Um, um, Right at the top would be having rules and order in the facility and enforcing them. uh, No matter what you think may happen, like if if, uh, people are going to leave or not going to like that or whatever, just having a, a set sort of rules and regulations uh, that uh, you stand by and uh, you won't allow anybody to, to break because it has to be a place where everybody can come in there and equally be able to reach for the stars, be whoever they want to be, be as good as they can be. Um, and if there's going to be a bunch of people in there that are running amok or pretending like they're better than everybody else because they got a couple of extra medals or anything like that, then they simply got to go. Um, so having order, having rules and regulations of, of nom- the highest ranking person or, or lifter or client or athlete to the lowest ranking. Um Everybody got to, got to put their weights away. Everybody got to respect the, the coaches. Everybody got to respect each other. Uh, and if anybody doesn't, um, they get thrown the door. Uh, and and to make that part of the culture, you know, it's got to really be part of the culture. I think a lot of a lot of uh, personal trainers, coaches, gym owners are afraid of uh, losing members because they think, well, you know, it's hard getting a member. And, uh, and that actually starts to um, hurt the gym in the, in the long run because the environment gets bad, it becomes toxic and one person can be like a cancer cell and they can infect the others. And before you know it, everybody wants to leave because they don't enjoy where they're training. So uh, you might as well just uh, organize things and, and settle things as soon as you notice any signs rather than wait it out can, so, I,
0: can we dig into that how do you establish those boundaries rules and responsibilities from the beginning
1: a very 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 good question and, and very easy very simple so when somebody signs up uh they explained those uh, key rules and regulations from the get-go uh and um they're explained what happens if they don't do it and uh, uh, not in any particularly like uh, intimidating way. <laughs> they just get told, right? Like, as a matter of fact, we've of away. And uh, through through it all, if they do slip up, which people do, we humans, they get n- notified. And uh, and if it's a repetitive thing, then they're just simply asked to leave. Simple as that. And uh, <clears throat> that's very important in order to be able to look. Culture is very important. For us, it's very important. I'm sure for Sean, for all the guys here that were are not even here now, um, very important. It, it's got to be protected at all costs um, because people need to enjoy where they're training. And if and if all of a sudden somebody, I'm not saying everybody has to be in agreement or everybody has to like each other because that's just not going to happen, right? Different personalities, et cetera, et cetera. But everybody's got to respect the place and everybody's got to respect each other. So that's going to be protected all the time from day one. And uh, there's going to be very clear, clear indication to anybody who joins uh, the gym or works with you that these are the types of things that you just simply will not tolerate. Uh, and uh, so they know where they stand in that regard. Um, because uh, then it can start to become uh, a mess. You know, It just turns into into a zoom, And and uh, then it gets really hard to control. So that's, uh, that's probably um, the very first thing. And, uh, you know, tying in with that would be uh, the ability of the, of the coaches to be coaches, to be able to motivate people, to be able to talk to people, to, to have coaching skill and ability, as you were saying before, the science of it is one thing, but there's also the art to coaching, the art to coaching in regards to managing people, managing personalities multiple different personalities um and and being able to uh, get people all on the same page and uh, you know working towards uh, the same thing that's uh, that's extremely important uh so um, then off the back of that everything else that's um uh, that is more tangible and can be built you know uh, the third thing I would, I would uh, say is having the, the messaging of, of, of it's okay and you should push yourself to be comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, like a lot of times um, <clears throat> people like lifters say, for example, they want their favorite bar to be available before they'll do their top set, their, before they start their training. They want their favorite platform to be to be uh, free before they start their train, They want their favorite music to be playing before they do to go for their set or whatever. All of this stuff, you're, you're not understanding, you're not realizing, you're actually making yourself weaker and weaker uh, because everything has to be right. And so what happens is in a competition scenario, things are just not going to be like that. You're not gonna have your favorite bar, you're not gonna be called at exactly the time that you wanna go. Uh, you're going to be put in pressure situations, and you're going to fold. So that type of a, um, that type of a character building has to be built into the into the facilities. You know, uh, the coach has got to encourage people to get into um, places just outside their comfort zone and and continue to expand that. Those are the most important things because uh, everything other than that is is easily teachable like how to do a program how to write a diet and things like that um but those are the things that uh, are missed oftentimes and and they can get huge results you know you know like some places um you certain gyms for example that are in in outback mongolia you know what i mean Or, or somewhere in africa where they're just training on dirt ground but these guys are just hard man they're tough as nails you know And you're just not going to win against somebody like that. If you ever get into a competitive situation or scenario and you want your elico bar and your elico plates and your this or that, you know, there's nothing wrong with those. They're fine. You should have the best equipment if you can get access to them. That's all well and good, but it's, it's just, I'm coming from a different place. Some people just get what I'm saying and some people won't get what I'm saying. Um, some people may take offense to what I'm saying. That's fine. Um, they're just going to keep getting the kicked. kicks. Probably but
0: do, on there's a danger in becoming reliant on the predictable and the comfortable because life is inherently chaotic. And if yeah. there's anything, is that there's been an entire generation that has been exposed to that this year. And those people who suffered the most, arguably, were not prepared. Mm.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And maybe it's because of that, complacent way of living and i recognize it what you're saying in myself because i've been that type of person who's like All right, you gotta have the, the like music is a big thing for me but like i you know i catch myself and you're right it's like shit the perfect song can't always be playing sometimes you just gotta rip the headphones off and just you know talk to your own demons inside of you
1: yeah, exactly. Man. You Just got to get on with it. You know, you got to figure out a way to to be self reliant. You know, instead of relying on things in the environment all the time. Well, that's just my view. You know, that's that's how we've we've been doing things. Maybe it's the wrong way. I don't know.
0: No, that's a great. You're only sharing your perspective. You know, whether it's valuable or not, that's dependent on the person. Exactly. Guys, thank you. Uh again for the pleasure of these conversations. I look forward, and I said this once before, but I'm gonna sit you all down, or at least one each of you one on one down eventually and do this in person on my one. But uh do you guys have any last parting thoughts, comments, asks of the people listening? Anything you wanna leave them with to finish off this year?
1: Think... You go first, mate?
2: Yeah, no, I think um always just always be uh pretty much sort of stemming on from what you guys were saying but always be ready to adapt be versatile um as much as you can try to uh look on the there's there's always a brighter side like we are we're we're so fortunate to be in in an amazing country um i we, we still do keep in contact with guys we've worked with in India, for example, that are just an absolute mess at the moment, probably isn't reported as much. But like, we couldn't be more fortunate to be uh, where we are, really, despite what has happened with lockdowns and things like that as well. So there, there's always um, a way that we we can work around things. Um, don't be a victim. Uh, make sure that that uh, you always put things into into perspective, and. Uh, Look, I know everybody's sort of saying, I can't wait for, for, for 2020 to be over, to, to get ready for 2021. I guess, essentially, who, who says that 2021's going to be any different at all?
0: Exactly.
2: Um, it's, it's literally a date on a calendar. I don't see what the difference between Je- December the 10th, 2020 and January the 3rd, 2021 is really, look, we could be battling this thing for a very long time. So mm. just always be prepared. Maybe if you aren't prepared or you felt, uh, like you could have done things better in any, depending on wherever you are in, in Australia at the moment. Um, reassess those, reassess your processes right now. Put into, put into uh, action. What are the things that I would do if, at any stage, our local government came back on the screen and said, you know, all you guys are aren't allowed outside your houses, your businesses are closed. You got to be done uh, by midnight tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, would you be ready? So. Uh, that would be sort of my closing sort of probably statements in regards to the, the situation we're at at the moment. But, uh, but just keep enjoying the ride. And, uh, and I also want to thank you guys as well for, a, for an amazing 2020. It's been uh, awesome to be able to run our first Orphid course and been loving every, every second of it. I have to double-check. I think we've got about four weeks left now. Obviously, there's been a bit, a bit of interruption. So that's why I just need to absolutely confirm how many weeks we've got left of it. But I can just see those guys um, just blooming at the moment. Like certainly, it's been a it's been a journey, and some have uh, probably excelled further than others, depending on prior experience and things like that as well. But it's been a been a pleasure, and I think if anything else has really helped me to solidify my knowledge and continue to reevaluate our processes, because we're now passing that on to the next generation of coaches as well. So can't wait for this crew to. To graduate and then hopefully take on another bunch of eager students going to next year. I think uh, I was to one of the guys, we've already got a few enrolled, so it seems to be ticking along really nicely. And I, I, I hope that they get as much out of it as I did because I feel like I'm getting yeah. plenty out of it. For yeah. Sure. Thank you so much for your support, guys. I Appreciate it. It's amazing, awesome, Sean.
1: Yeah, I would. Uh, I would pr- probably back up what, what Sean said man, in regards to especially like. Uh, um, don't take it one day at a time. Think ahead, you know, uh, don't be reactive, be proactive. And and every day um, ask yourself, where do you want to be? Who do you want to be? And uh, did you do anything that day to get yourself there? At least that's the question I ask myself. And that's the question I, I tell anybody who comes to me with similar sort of question to ask themselves every day. So uh, it's helped me in my time be able to always correct course and make sure Um, it it makes me self-aware of what I'm wasting time on. If I wasted a day, if I did activities that weren't really important, that were a bit of a waste of time and, uh, and then how to correct that for the following day to come. So um, as he said, as as Sean said, yeah, it's it's just another date on the calendar. You don't know if next year is going to be good or not. So instead of just uh, sort of being complacent and be like, okay, well, it looks like we're out of it now. Instead, just think to yourself what, you know, what, what did you want to do this year? Or who do you want to be? You know, if you get this chance back now and we get rid of it uh, early next year, uh, vaccines coming out and everything is good, let's just say, for example, what do you want to do? How are, going, how are you going to make up for lost time? and Start planning all that stuff. So instead of just letting each day pass, that's what I would say.
0: All right. All right. I like it. That's a great way to end, guys. Thank you so much.
2: Thanks, joss Cheers, mate. Good Thank good you. Enjoy one. the rest
0: of the year. Keep killing it. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen. That is it. Another Orphic podcast with Amir and Sean from our two partner facilities that we govern and run and deliver our cert three and four out of in Amir is in Sydney, New South Wales. Sean is in South Australia, in Adelaide, and they are doing a phenomenal job running their gyms delivering our courses and we couldn't be like, that's the thing. Like we couldn't be more pleased and proud to be able to offer such a high quality education through such high quality facilities and coaches and educators. We feel so fortunate to be able to partner and work with such high level professionals alike to pretty much no one in this country. I mean, who else? Who else? I mean, the, the majority is not aligning themselves with this level of professionalism and quality. And it's, let's raise the standard. That should be the standard. Let's keep going. Let's keep leading by example. And um, just very proud and honored to be able to conduct these conversations. And I hope you guys continue to get value out of them. Um, as we go along throughout uh, our journey and growing. Um, We'll see you guys next week for another one. I'm Alexander Emmanuel Sandalas. You can find me all over the internet if you want. Otherwise, I'll see you guys next week.